matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Don't make a bit of sense to me. If that's what being crazy is, then I'm senseless, out of it, gone down the road, wacko. But no more, no less. Welcome to Unhinged, episode 13, recorded June 19th, 2016. Happy Father's Day. Uh, We have a lot to cover today, um, but I want to take a step back and revisit something that, uh, Doug, you talked about in previous shows. Uh, You had mentioned that uh, for a period of time, you had checked yourself into a mental hospital. Yes, I certainly put in my time spending a six-month spell at... CAMH, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto, and actually in the 1900s, 1850s, 1900s, it was known as the Toronto Lunatic Asylum. Hmm. So uh, we have, you know, I'm an advocate, so I'm going to be uh, conservative, but we have come a long way. Yeah. Well, but during during the time you were in there, you, you underwent uh, electroshock treatments, right? Yeah. I It, it was... Uh, Ironically, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson is my favorite actor of all time. And mm-hmm. there's w- without any, nobody's close to that. And uh, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, a little tribute, uh, was produced by Michael Douglas, believe it or not. It was mm. his first job. Um, and uh, I was really into it. So it was kind of crazy going through it. And uh, as many creepy crazy people as you saw in one flew of the cuckoo's nest it was nothing like being there yourself um one of the first days i was there i think i told this on another uh previous podcast but one of the first days i was there a woman passed me and she just kept looking at me she said are you ken i'm barbie (laughs) Uh, and that was one of the more normal experiences i had while i was there but we were talking about journaling, and I and and that's why we're revisiting this because I said I would pull out, or try and find, in my ADD uh, mess of a uh, dwelling here, to try and pull out some um, of the random postings, that uh, or the random postings into my journal, right. um, and I, I actually uh, hit a home run because I found the one that's definitely the most lengthy. Um, although don't be afraid audience, it's not that long because I do have ADD. (laughs) So, um, but it's, uh, boy, you know, being in this position, being in, in, in a form of remission right now, reading this was, uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I've stepped into another body. Uh, Mm -hmm. this was somebody else, you know, I can relate to it. I remember it to a point. I know what it's like to feel that. So tell us, uh, you were you were uh, in our last show. You mentioned that you were at a level seven on the Hamilton scale, um, which yeah, is considered yeah. uh, like just normal. I think um, uh, once once you're seven or above, it's in the mild mild. A mild, yeah. And what what level do you think you were in when you journaled your experience here that you're about to read? Based on what I wrote, and I haven't written, read this in a long time, I was probably like 172,000. <laughs> you know, no, I mean, I was so, a full third. You know, so I was as high as you can be. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you're, you're, uh, 
very restricted. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to have a, a smoke, somebody takes you down, you have 10 minutes uh, and only a certain amount, of, certain times per day and a certain amount of times. And, um, and you know, you're, you've got a room with a, it's, it's kind of like a, like a nice prison. Mm-hmm. And um, and everyone around you is you know there was one guy who would just pace the hallways all the way around and there were you know it was a pretty big floor mm-hmm. in two different sections and it was like oh there he is again you know it was just kind of like watching uh, you know what do they call it Daytona you know watching the cars you know yeah. it's like hey, yeah it's fifty two again and then you yeah. know fifteen minutes later and he would just and he did it for hours just and then. You know, another lady's in the corner talking to herself, and you know, so you know where you are. So it's it's very similar to what they show in the movies, then. You know, unfortunately, it is. I mean, it's it's um, it's sensationalized to a point. Mm-hmm. It's not quite as dramatic. A lot of the things, but many things are. I mean, it's yeah. definitely. Uh, you know, people say they get PTSD from this, from that. You know. Uh, um, I was talking to another DBS patient who, who said um, that just the surgery alone, you know, and I've told you how daunting it is. It's a 12-hour mm-hmm. major brain surgery. Um, and they're not just doing repairs. They're implanting electrodes inside of your brain. Right. It's big time. And she feels she has PTSD and actually I think been diagnosed with it just from the surgery. Uh, wow. You know, major trauma causes PTSD just you know, yeah. and this is, was majorly traumatic. I was so numb at that point that I don't necessarily feel that, but, you know, I've been so serious uh, um, at times that uh, with my disease that it could be, it could be a component. There's no, you know, this. Well, it sounds like that, possible. that would have been a blessing in disguise not to, uh, to, to be so numb at that point that you, you didn't get PTSD from the trauma of the surgery. Or did I, and I'm, I'm just, there's just so much to address that, you know, mm. my brain, again, with, with the knowledge that I do have from years of, of studying this, um, you know, I know that, you know, I've got to take this before this and where others are kind of more overwhelmed yeah. and just have this kind of like, I'm damaged. And, you know, so this is a post that I found. Uh, it's dated July 23rd, 2009. And I titled it The Recipe for Hope. So I guess you got a picture. I'm, you know, in the mental hospital, getting ready to give up in the middle of electric shock treatments bilaterally. So every time you get a shock treatment, you have a grand mal seizure and you have a lot of memory loss uh, when you have as many times as that I did. But, um, Anyways, I was in a bad place in a four by six room with nothing in the room, just me kind of sitting on the floor, just feeling like life is over. So I will read it to you, and here it goes. I don't want to live anymore. I believe now more than ever after seeking therapy that I'm never going to be happy or live a normal life. I'm sick and tired of watching others live their regular lives while I'm trapped in hell. No money, no relationships, no stuff, no pets, no real genuine love, no interest, no desire, no energy. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it yet, but I'm going to end the pain. 
Nobody should have to live this kind of life. I'm living with no hope of experiencing happiness. As I sit here in therapy, I hear all the chiming in of other members of the group and I still can't relate. Even they've had good times in their lives and I feel I haven't, maybe except for that year or so in college with Ed and the band. Although even then I was tortured with living in my own skin and uh, I drank, I took a lot of drugs to hide and bury it all. The others were genuinely having fun while I was hiding in a bubble of self-conscious hell. I can't stand feeling depressed. It hurts too much. I can't stand listening to this therapist talk. It doesn't help me. I was originally writing this to be my suicide note. Maybe it will be. Maybe be the last thing I ever write. I certainly hope so because I can't stand listening to myself in writing form too. I'm ready to give up 100%, which means that stopping to live will be the first and only thing that I've consciously decided to do and actually complete. Signed, that's enough. Whoa, that was heavy. You sound like you were pretty low right there. Yeah, that was um, that was desperation. That was despair. That was the end. Mm-hmm. But now, I really feel going through this remission. Yeah, I mean, before I had no purpose. Now I really feel like, well, like I've, I've, I've got one. I've got a special purpose. You do. Yeah, the The new phone books are here. The new phone books are here. (laughs) I'm a person. Uh, It really does feel like that. Uh, I'm not a jerk. (laughs) I have a special purpose. And, uh, wow, I've come a long way. And and seeing this and talking to you about it, wow, really. It's huge, huge difference. I mean, what, what I was hearing and what you wrote there, it's like not the same person. No, it really isn't. And that says a lot right there. But yeah, it's not to be taken for granted. It's a miracle, whatever that means. I wanted to ask you about what you said the title for that was. Yeah, you listen to everything, don't you? <laughs> you said it was called The Recipe for Hope. Um, that sounds like uh doesn't quite fit the mood of what you wrote. Yeah, you know, I don't know how to think about this one looking back. A, with a, with really memory loss from now till back then, and even really, I don't remember writing it, and mm-hmm. I could just remember the circumstances that it would be. I can visualize the, the ward, the floor, mm-hmm. some of the people. So I guess you can look at it as either I was so out of it because I'm, you know, sitting on many medications, including lithium, including mm-hmm. downers and things to keep us all, you know, eating our yogurt and taking a, a week trip to the museum and, you mm-hmm. know, weekly, I rather. Um, 
<laughs> but I, so I could have maybe meant to say the recipe for hopelessness or the recipe for recipe for no hope, um, or it's, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it, a cry for help, looking for somebody to save me. I don't know. I don't well, the know. way the way I was looking at it was maybe more in a cynical way. Maybe you meant that your only hope was suicide. Your only hope to get out of this whole mess was yeah. to no longer be living. So maybe that was your recipe for hope at that time. I guess the fact that I didn't say that first is just something that it's just a little bit much to uh, for me to deal with and think about than for you to say it. Yeah, but that that makes sense that that's. Yeah. Definitely a possibility. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, hmm. But um, it's not something I could have read months ago. No. Reading it now uh, makes me contemplative and and uh, a little regretful, and, and it doesn't make me feel bad. That's cool. Yeah. So, you know, and it... it I saw where I was. I saw where I am now. That means somebody has made a difference. Something has made a difference. Mm -hmm. And that's where the advocacy comes in. And I'm afraid I'm going to have to go on a rant on you. But I feel it necessary at this point, um, given the opportunity that I can do such a thing. Rant away. All right. You know, I'll tell you what, it takes an unbelievable amount of restraint for me to keep an even keel during our shows, both from a, an emotional perspective and from a purely angry and resentful place. But I want this to be constructive. I'm a mental health advocate for a reason. I want people to not live under the poverty line while they're trying to get better, while they're recovering from major surgery, while they're recovering from years of abuse, of, of living in crack houses and living with nothing and having no hope and, you know, just being that resource. But this is personal and this is a lifelong journey to make sure that nobody years, loses years of their lives like I did. And I also want to say that Reiterate that what we're trying to do here at Unhinged, Ed and I, we're trying to create awareness, we're trying to get different perspectives, we're trying to stay on top of science and technology and making sure that that money is devoted to mental health, illness and mental health and, and, and just taking this thing and which is already advanced, the DBS and, and going further and further until we find a solution there's not a percentage chance you're going to get better you're gonna get better there's hope if anyone doesn't think there's hope call me i've been through it all you write us at podcast you write us at our facebook page whatever you got to do but i promise you i've been there i'm the one guy that can relate to you and there you go i feel like i'm running for president but you know <laughs> i'm an advocate and uh I feel really strongly about this, and I want to use that energy in a positive way to help all y'all out there. Very well said. Thank you very much. I, uh, I think I have to change my underwear. <laughs> no, I, I, I uh, you know, 
I held back. I held back a lot. I'm holding back a lot. Catch me. Uh, well, no. Catch me three months ago, and I would add a lot of expletives you would have had to uh, edit out. Yeah. Um, but you get the point. What we're trying to do here, we're, we're talking with Murray's and with, with other professionals and getting, you know, some perspectives that, you know, they have their beliefs and that they're a little bit sort of, you know, maybe on the fringe, maybe on the left, maybe on the right, whatever. Mm-hmm. We're here to, to, to gather all the information and to gather people's opinions and, and sociological perspectives and then put it all together. In, in a way that the audience can understand it. Yeah, we're here just to, to spread the uh, spread awareness on uh, this disease because that's what it is. It's a disease, and we want people to understand that there is hope. And there is no matter what mental illness you suffer from, um, it's being covered, and we're going to stay again on top of all of the the research and the, the clinical trials that are out there. What be what might be around in your city? There's a lot online. Yeah, we'll be updating our uh, resources page uh, with uh, much more information on uh, mental health resources for you. Uh, those phone numbers that you can call. And until that that page is updated, uh, feel free to contact us uh, through our Facebook page, uh, through our uh, website. I sounded like Obama there through our uh, <laughs> website. Uh, website. <laughs> um, but we're here. I, I mean, we're here. We're ta- we we will listen. Um, I've met with every major uh, professional in this area, at least in the city of Toronto and the surrounding areas. Um, resources, you know, uh, contacts. Sometimes is your key. Um, and again, as I said, we're, we're not, and definitely not, you know, we're here to hear all perspectives. We're definitely not here to disparage, um, regular doctors, psychiatrists, um, them prescribing drugs. We're not against any of that. It's all a combination of things. And, uh, you know, Dr. Ehrlich, my main psychiatrist has done an amazing job, uh, with what he has been given and I owe him, uh, you know, I wouldn't be here without him. And, uh, and so, you know, again, sometimes uh, drugs are necessary. As we've said before, the key is diagnosis. And then where to go from there, you know, needs to be a process that's done correctly mm-hmm. and with the right kind of professional. Before we continue, we want to share with you some unhinged fan reactions from around the country. Sure, I've heard of the show through my daughter-in-law. I thought she was going to tell me about some Fakakta show, and it turns out uh, I I like the program. I These two have a very nice relationship. It's very informative. Yes, j- just a little sweet note here. Thank you. And um, and my husband, Morty, is getting a lot out of it. He has some, some social issues. Uh, he's cleanliness issues but he is uh, he, we enjoying it we, we like the show very much very entertaining thank you sir yeah that show on here uh, they're talking about that mental stuff alright uh, I'll listen to that when I'm on the, I'm driving in my cab there and I, I'll listen to it tune in on the radio 
very interesting stuff, sometimes over my head, but I, I try to listen, try to learn a lot of things very nice. I like these two guys, they're very cool. Very cool. As the head of neuropsychology here in Ecuador University, I must say that Unhinged is a beautiful program. Those two have such a great rapport. And I feel like I must have all my patients listen to the show. Very, very good. You have to have a lot of patience with the show. What are you doing here, lady? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I get my sweet and low? I don't have your sweet and low. We only have Splenda, I told you. You are a tall glass of water. The human brain is the most complex organ in the human body and probably the most complex creation present on this universe. Let's explore some interesting facts about the most mysterious part of us. Oh, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. Ooh, I'm intrigued. All right, Ed, what you got? The brain consists of around 150,000 miles of blood vessels. 150,000 miles. Yeah. Wow. So that's like from, you know, here to like New York. <laughs> yeah. Math genius. <laughs> that is unbelievable. And you, Mr. Genius, how long would that be? Like from here to what? Like Sudan? The moon, I think, is 273,000 miles away. Is that right? So it's long. Yeah. <laughs> 238, 238,900 miles is the moon. And this is right. 150,000 miles. So it goes a good ways to to the moon. <laughs> to the moon. All right. So here's one for you. Okay. The human brain is the only organ in the human body that lacks nerves, despite the fact that it acts as the central command for the central nervous system. So what that means to you and I, is the human brain feels absolutely no pain. Wow, no pain, huh? Yeah, that's what I said, no pain. Well, I got one here. Um, during pregnancy, the fetal brain develops at an amazing rate. Uh, there are about 251,000 neurons added every single minute. Every minute. Every minute? Yes. So each minute? 251,000. 251,000. The next minute, 251,000. That's a lot of 1,000s. That's a lot of 251,000s. On a related note, the number of neurons present in the brain is approximately 100 billion, which is about 25 times uh, the human population on Earth. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The higher number of neurons increases the processing ability of the brain. So the more neurons, the more, you know, you can be, uh, you know, what they call, uh, you know, smart and all. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> so what'd you got on that end? Well, do you know what the first sense is that the, that a human learns? Well, the first sense, uh, that would be the sense of touch, I would think. That's right. Ding, touch. ding, ding. We have a winner. Uh, yes. However, it takes around 12 weeks to understand the complete feeling. Uh, and this is the reason the mind can efficiently differentiate between 
external and self-touch to the body, which, for example, that's why you can't tickle yourself because you know it's your, you're tickling yourself as opposed to someone else tickling you. All right, Ed, uh, we've got time for one more. Uh, hit me with one. Did you know that the human brain is considered the fattest part in the entire body? It contains around two-thirds fat. Two-thirds fat. Well, actually, I did know that most of the brain, a, lot, a big portion of the brain is really not being used. It's mm -hmm. uninhabited. So why it's filled with fat, <laughs> uh, I guess it's better than styrofoam. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really, at least for the environment. Um, but I don't know why. That's very interesting. So when someone calls you a fathead, you know, take it as a compliment. Yeah, it's like that's that's the way it is. Yeah. Those are just some interesting facts about the human brain. Stay tuned for further episodes of Unhinged Podcasts to learn more interesting facts about the brain. So it's Father's Day today, and we thought we would touch on that subject. Yes. And I mean touch on that subject. Uh, I guess for, well, for one of us, it's quite a positive subject, and for the other, not so, so positive. But um, what's your feeling on Father's Day when you get up on Father's Day, not being a father yourself? Mm -hmm. um, other than your gorgeous kitty. Um, <laughs> what is your uh, sense of that day? What's your feeling you get? So really, it's not... I, I mean, I, I do take the day to acknowledge my father and give him a call, and we chat, we talk, we laugh. Um, and, you know, that's that's pretty much it. It's it's not... Uh, it's never been a... So are you saying it's more of, of sort of a, a North American holiday rather than in the culture in which you grew up no not really i mean we always celebrated father's day and mother's day of course um and it's just always been a hey you know thanks for being there and we usually get you know give them a gift um that's it i don't think we ever made a huge big deal about it um but it was a holiday that we did observe and you know still do and are you sort of with me in the sense that, and I don't mean talking about my particular father, but in general, like there doesn't need to be a day. It's like every day you should be appreciating and loving and sending positive messages to your father. Maybe not every day, but you know what I mean? Well, of As course. to having a day, you know. I, I, of course that, you know, you should think that you should always uh, acknowledge uh, your parents. Um but I, I, I'm cool with having a day, uh, set out separately, uh, to, you know, take the time to make sure that everyone does go out and, uh, give their, their parents a call and, you know, let them know what they mean to you. Let's say you were local, you would be out with him, taking him to dinner, et cetera, correct? Most likely. Yes. Yes. Now, you have a very special relationship, very close relationship with your father. You're very much like your father. Yes. And he's a very brilliant guy, but also a very genuine guy, a, a real sort of total brain guy. Yeah. And 
uh, I talked to him right away. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I love the guy. Uh, no, he's a great guy. He's, he's very easy to like. Uh, he's got a great personality. He's very chill, very relaxed. Oh, uh, yeah. No, and my, and my question was going to be, if you were not close to him as you are and you lived locally, would that still happen? You mean like would we still take him out to dinner and that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, uh, no, I have no idea. I mean, that's um, it's hard to say. I, I, it's not like we're doing it to go through the motions. Um, so, I mean, your opinion on it being a holiday, do you have any uh, thoughts on that it's, oh, it's just a, a huge moneymaker as far as the, uh, you know, socioeconomically and, 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 uh, uh, and, and Hallmark and et cetera. Not for, not for Father's Day. I kind of feel like Mother's Day is more that. Um, well, people, sure. I mean, all he did was, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, and she he had, had the carry, easy part. She's the one, yeah. Women are the ones that can create a human inside their bodies. But no, I don't, I don't look at the holiday of Father's Day as anything, uh, you know, too commercialized or, you know, oh, we shouldn't have it because we should always honor our father. No, you know, take a day out of the year and mark it for him and use that day to honor him. And that's totally cool with me. And what and what do you honor? You're honoring the fact that he did a good job as a father, given that they're not given manuals. Of course. You know what yes. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're honoring that, right? I mean, that's your principle. That's not right. just just because it is Father's Day, you do that. No, no. I mean, it's it's literally that he was a great dad, and and it was great growing up with him. And thank you for that. Hmm. Excellent. And that's very healthy. And that's, I mean, if you think idealistically, I mean, that's that's what it means. Mm-hmm. And again, you take it a step further and. Having gone through what I've gone through, always preaching about appreciate what you've got, whatever. Um, you know, that's just something that should always be. Yeah. You know, the core of your family should be your foundation, the strongest part. Right. Um, so your your relationship with your father was was not like mine with my father. No, no, it was quite the opposite. Uh, we always had what we wanted. Um, you know, we lived in a, uh, you know, middle to middle upper class, you know, um, but there was, it was all hands off parenting and, um, a great big heart, uh, but very old school. And, um, you know, as I say, um, you know, I'm not good at chess mm-hmm. and I just don't think they inherently were good at parenting. That's a kind of a harsh thing to say, um, but not everybody is. And I'm saying that naturally, you mm-hmm. know, being natural, you know, at it. Um, and I was the fourth child. Mm-hmm. And I, I really have to believe that it was probably a cultural thing that people had three, four kids, especially back then. Right. We're talking late, late 60s, in the 60s, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> you know, um, as opposed to really thinking, you know, I am... Uh, you know, uh, building this, you know, human. I'm yeah. molding this human, and with the with the science and uh, advances in psychology that we have now, we understand 
just how crucial it is at various ages that you make the right choices. Mm-hmm. Or as we've talked about in previous podcasts, they can go quite awry. Yeah. Uh, and so I was bullied throughout my childhood. My parents didn't have enough, you know, they weren't hands-on, so they didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they did, would they have, you know, uh, offered help? I, I never got it. I never got encouragement. I never got that kind of thing. Did, so. did, you, bring, did you bring it to their attention? No, I was probably too scared to to say something like that. You know, uh, I don't, my mother, you know, was just, um, I, I I don't know, but my father, like he was 10 feet tall Mm -hmm. and he was like five, seven in heels, you know, but like he, to me was 10 feet tall. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it was either just like, you just say, yes, sir, you do it. Or, or, you know, you're going to see this face that's very scary. So you know. so was there so there was a, a fear factor to to your relationship. I mean, you feared him. Well, I was scared of my own shadow. Mm-hmm. So um, so just as I was scared of everyone around me, uh, him was yeah he was the most daunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know I never spent much time uh, except when we were kids or you know, uh, but not not individual time ever ever. Mm-hmm. And I only remember one day ever spending with him in my whole life. Really? And I remember it was, uh, I remember how old I was, probably in the late teens, maybe 17, 18. Mm-hmm. And, and I vividly remember going with him, uh, I think in his uh, convertible sports car. Uh, and we went to see a Chuck Morris, Chuck Norris movie mm-hmm. and then stopped at the side of the road at a hot dog stand. And that's the extent of um, me being with my father. Wow. So, and then, you know, this whole thing about, you know, my father's not here. Um, you know, would he be any different having learned of this neurological disease, et cetera? Mm-hmm. You know, I know just as my oldest brother just can't do it. He can't deal with it, whether mm-hmm. it's not strong enough, he just can't understand it different generation you know mm-hmm. you know um i don't know whether he would have you know really been underst- been able to understand that and yeah. uh, i and he was uh and he was killed as i've mentioned yeah uh, you know in a major hit and run accident it was totally not his fault and i was angry about that but more angry at that crazy woman who hit him right when getting away so um it still hasn't hit me and, um, you know, just as I say, if you're not friends with your, let's say your brother or what have you, uh, you know, um, or if you didn't know them, you wouldn't be friends with them. Right. Right. Um, let me it, ask you uh, this. Um, I didn't lose, I didn't lose a lot. And I, I hate to say that. Well, let me ask you this. When you found out about, uh, your dad being killed in a hit and run, did you, did you cry? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, but you know, compared to what a depressed person cries, you know, which Mm -hmm. is 10, I cried like at a, you know, at a four and, uh, you know, my sister had called me and he was on a motorcycle and it was at a red light and it was a van, a woman on a cell phone, wasn't paying attention and just hit him. So she hit at 
who knows 30, 40 miles per hour hitting mm -hmm. the back of a motorcycle. So he went flying, I don't know how many feet, and you know, was in the intensive care. And I think he just lasted about four hours. So my mm -hmm. sister called me hysterically. Um, uh, only about a only a couple of year a year or so or something after I came to Toronto, mm -hmm. uh, so uh, it should have been as devastating a, a call news that I got when I got cancer. But both yeah. of them were were really not because mm -hmm. I just was not all there. Yeah, and I and everything really was blurry. I mean that that's it's amazing to hear because, um, you know, something like that were to happen to me, to my dad. I mean, that's just devastation right there. That would be like, I would fall into a deep depression. I think, um, it, yeah. So you can see so much, how much I'm holding inside that, that this is just one specific subject matter, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I can see with you, forget it. I mean, it would be, it would mark you, you know, in a yeah. way for the rest of your life. I mean, it's just, you've well, he's, this. he's, we've been so close. I mean, we're, we're very similar, like you mentioned. And, uh, he's been my role model for many things. I mean, we like a lot of the same things, not everything. I mean, we are, you know, individuals, You're two different people. Yeah. yeah. Um, he shares some things with my brother and some things with me. Um, like his love of cars and motorcycles and vehicles and that sort of thing. I hate all that stuff, but he loves it, and my my brother loves it, so they have that. Um, and for me, but, but your father can probably relate it to you more than Dan can relate it to you, than your brother could relate it to you, or explain it to you, or maybe, you know, make, yeah, you know, maybe because you know my brother and I are very different. So um, the fact well, it's that, just very matter of fact, whereas your father can say, well, do you know, how about the guitars? You know, just <laughs> like, I like the bikes, you know, that's spot on. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, it's where he would relate it in that respect. And yeah, uh, no, know. we have a, we have a great, great rapport where we're, you know, we think alike in many ways. Uh, we worked on a, a project together, uh, that took several years uh, or a couple of years, um, where I translated a book that he wrote uh, in Spanish. I translated it into English, and then we published it uh, through Amazon. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a, a book of his story uh, of when he took a motorcycle around the world to 26 countries in the 1960s. Yeah. Uh, with no money, you know, he just took off. He figured, well, oh, it's a great I story. We should put that on the resource page, too. That'd be interesting for people to see. Oh yeah, he he faced so much adversity in that and and powered through and that's how he came to the United States and that's you know when he met my mom and then you know we were born and and all that. So yeah, that trip was was pivotal in his life uh and obviously yeah. in mine in that respect. But it was a great father-son project we had working on that book um and brought us even closer. Um so we talk all the time um uh, for a while there, we were talking nearly daily when I had a commute, <laughs> I would call him. Uh, it, it's trailed off a little now because I work from home. So, uh, you know, we talk at least once a week, uh, sometimes more than that. So, uh, no, great relationship. Uh, and he was a great dad for sure. Is, is a great dad, I should say. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think, you know, the important thing, obviously, if you have a good relationship like that, and that's great. And with my parents being hands off, um, and, and again, I give a lot of credit to things that they just didn't know. They didn't know they had a child with a, a neurological disease and a learning right. disability and all that stuff. Uh, the key is what they do now. My father, unfortunately, can't do anything now. My mother's in the position now where she can, you know, at least say, hey, listen, you know, we didn't know. And I never got even any of that. Mm -hmm. So that's why there's no communique right now with my mother. Uh, it's really up to her to say, you know, because, again, you know, a lot of um, people just say, you know, I'm 70 years old and you're, you're not going to change me. And uh, I've always said, you know, it's like, we don't it doesn't stop any point you know mm -hmm. you 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 as long as you're alive you keep growing you keep changing altering things so that you're learning you're growing and you're getting smarter and smarter to the day you die right and that's the you know instead of holding and all these playing all these games and you know at least with your children with your spouses with your siblings you've got to be open and mm -hmm. no hidden agendas. There's no, it never gets you anywhere positive. Right. So with that said, um, you know, this is a happy Father's Day. This is, if you don't have a great relationship with your child, you're just doing these, you know, sending on Father's Day because it's the thing to do. Change that now. Don't mm -hmm. wait. You know, I mean, we're going to expire. What's the point? Yeah. You know, are the games more important? Or is the love and the 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 closeness to communication, the validation, mm -hmm. all that? Um, that's my only wish. I can't do it with my father right now. I can't do it with my mother. Thankfully, I have you. I have some a couple of other people, you know. But <clears throat> you really need that, you know, that person that you can always go to, and um, and will always be there for you. And I hope your dads are all there for you. And I wish everybody a great Father's Day. Yeah, same from from me. Uh, you know, take this time to acknowledge your father. Uh, give him a call. Call your father. <laughs> call your father. He's been waiting all day. What are you waiting for? <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's something you got to do. And uh, it's a nice light show. Hope you learned something. Next week we're going to be back on track with some real nice heavy-hitting subjects, mm -hmm. and uh, keep talking about the mind and all the just unbelievable technology that's happening and just the wonders of the brain. That's what we're all about. But if you got any issues, please, we're, we're advocates here, and you write to us, and we will do whatever we can, whether it's through the website, Facebook, Twitter. We're all over, man. Um, we're there to help. Absolutely. Thanks, Ed, for another great week. I appreciate all your support, and the laughter has been awesome. And please send your dad my best. And uh, I will definitely, look, yeah. I, I look forward to next week. Same here. So that's our show for tonight. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Please follow us on Twitter at UnhingedPC and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash unhinged podcast also be sure to check out our website if you haven't done so already it's at unhingedpodcast.com we'll see you all next week take care mm -hmm.